Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome back to uh, Watchmen Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli military and security experts and uh, practitioners. And our guest for a second part of our conversation is Reserve Brigadier General Yuval Bazak. Welcome back. Thank you. You were uh, a battalion commander uh, in the Infantry Brigade Golani. Uh, one of your jobs um, in this uh, lieutenant colonel position was in charge of the uh, training base. There was a time when Israeli recruits complained of uh, hazing and uh, severe treatment by their uh, sergeants and uh, junior officers. Was that also true when you were there? No, actually, I think I... I became in 98, actually. It was a, a huge transform of uh, the way that we, uh, we uh, trained our uh, new recruit. Uh, it was really fascinating because, you know, the transformation of uh, the, the Israeli culture, the transformation of the Israeli society, uh, all the issues of, uh, of, uh, of uh, human rights and soldier rights, all those things that they started at the beginning of the 90s spread into the, the, the military. But, but in military uh, folklore, at least, it is known that when you are in boot camp, you suffer under your trainers. And then when you become one of the trainers, you do it. unto others what uh, you hated being done uh, yeah. to you. How, how did you manage to get away from so, it? So we try to, to change it. You know, we, we, we were focused in very, very tough training, but a good treatment. This is a kind of cocktail that we try to uh, bring into the head of uh, our uh, new commanders. You don't, you, you can, not you can, you must treat your soldier in the best way, but you must demand the highest level, the professional level uh, during uh, the training. Don't humiliate them. Uh, take care of them. Uh, treat them the best way, but demand the highest standard uh, of a military infantry soldier. I think that this is uh, the, the trend that we try to uh, implement back at the end of the 90s. Tough and tender. Yes. Exactly. Fighting, but fair. Exactly. So um, usually uh, when generals uh, look back on their career, uh, they say that being a battalion commander was the high point of being with the troops because uh, when uh, you get into higher positions, you are not in touch with the field. You are in touch with officers, not, not with men. Uh, was that your experience too? I experienced a chain of mountains with a lot of peak. I think that, you know, every position I, I took was a peak in in different way, really. Since I was a platoon commander and company commander, 
and then the the commander of the training base and the Hermon uh, mountain commander and the Samaria brigade and the the defense every each of them was excellent uh, position to be contributed uh, to my uh, personal development professional de- development and I really enjoy my uh, my career really but is it uh, a unique position being a battalion commander of course you know back at uh, the the 90s when we were in Lebanon and I was uh, actually the commander of the Aishia Rehan sector which was the deeper and northern uh, uh, sector of of the IDF in uh, in Lebanon you are totally independence and the, the the battalion is a is a machine it's a very sophisticated uh, machine of operation and you are planning and you are controlling and you are by own uh, by your own and you are preparing your battalion for these uh, operations and you are running the operations it was really really a, a, the highest uh, professional experience that I could uh, I could ever uh, thought of. But even um, a strong infantry battalion such as yours, battalion 51st uh, battalion, needed artillery support and intelligence support, air support, and also in the case of uh, the uh, location that you, you referred to, the South Lebanon Army support. What was your lesson from uh, having... To uh, cooperate and sometimes depend on such a local pro-israeli militia hmm. I think it's more it it, it wasn't a, a depend uh, relations I think it more was more a cooperation uh, cooperate uh, with the uh, the the southern uh, Lebanon army and um, it was a very very interesting uh, experience it, and again it was a uh, 9697 the time where the, when the 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 situation uh, started to shift in uh, in Lebanon and Hezbollah was uh, getting stronger and uh, the I the the Lebanese uh, southern army part of them were Shia and they had a lot of conflicts and I think it was very very uh, um, interesting uh, um, interesting experience but we will never depend uh, on them now uh, one should not confuse the uh, SLA uh, which is no longer there the South Lebanon army with the LAF the Lebanese totally armed different, forces yes uh, if there is now a conflict between Israel and Hezbollah on the soil of Lebanon how will the Lebanese army armed forces perform oh it's a very uh, you know it's a question that we are asking ourselves when we are making our uh, war planning and uh, actually it will very much depend on the, the their direct directive if they will uh, be natural and stand uh, uh, stand out I th- our uh, clear uh, direction is not to uh, to clash with them but the If they will uh, be part of a Hezbollah offensive of course they will be considered as enemies but are they professional can they uh, put up a fight I think that they in a you know in a certain way of course of course they are soldiers they have military trains they have uh, equipment military equipment so it's something that could uh, be a they could contribute not you know very much but they could uh, 
contribute the Hezbollah forces. What is your conclusion based on uh, seeing uh, UNIFIL, the United Nations interim, no longer interim, it's more than 40 years interim force in Lebanon. Uh, they were supposed to separate the sides and perhaps be a tripwire because once they are uh, being stepped on or uh, evicted, you know that war is coming. But uh, uh, is there any utility to their being there? There is, you know, but very, very uh, minimal, very minimal. They are not uh, very active. And, and you see, Hezbollah is all around in the southern part of Lebanon against all uh, the, the agreement that were signed after, uh, after uh, the Second Lebanon uh, War. Uh, actually, you, uh, you, you see them, they are present over there. And uh, you can close your eyes and say, hey, I'm uh, from the UN, like we used uh, to say and not see the thing that happening like uh, uh, around you. Just, uh, you know, last summer we were in a very high alert in the northern, uh, uh, northern border uh, of uh, Israel. And one of the clashes was just, you know, 10 meters, 20 meters uh, 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 nearby the, the, the UN uh, post uh, in nearby Manara, the, the kibbutz uh, Manara. The, there, was a, there was a group of uh, Hezbollah that uh, shoot at uh, our uh, position, and it was just uh, 20 meters from the UN uh, post. So Apparently, was very, uh, it wasn't heavy. loud enough for them to hear the, no, no. Uh, the gunfire. No, it was after 5 p.m. <laughs> But there are there are people in Israel uh, who say that it is even detrimental to Israel because some of the units which come from uh, various countries uh, go back home uh, pro Hezbollah anti Israel. Maybe I am not uh, aware to this uh, to this uh, issue, um, but I think that uh, there is no very much uh, contribution, not big contribution of this uh, UN to the stability of uh, General Bazak, uh, the Golani Brigade, um, in which you spent uh, some 20 years or so, um, is known to have a lot of experience uh, in the northern front of Israel, namely uh, the Syrian and uh, Lebanese uh, sectors. And you were uh, appointed the uh, commander of the Hermon Brigade. The Hermon uh, Mountain is, of course, uh, positioned in one of Israel's uh, most beautiful sceneries, but also most vulnerable uh, parts. What was your task when you uh, uh, got this job? You know, it was just after the withdrawal from uh, Lebanon, just the beginning. <laughs> Once there was uh, the visit of uh, the head of intelligence of the French uh, army, and uh, I took him uh, to a, a kind of a, a lookout look uh, position, and then he saw the the cable uh, uh, the cable car all around. He said, w "What is it? What it is?" And and we put, of course, a helmet and uh, the, and ca the, the cable, carrier cable car for the resort area for the ski resort. For the ski, yes. And I told, "This is a ski resort." He said, 
what? This is a ski resort and we are standing here with the helmet. Uh, you say this is uh, the challenge of... Uh, the, my, my challenge is to, uh, to uh, actually run a ski resort under uh, the threat of uh, motors. And actually three times I uh, evacuated the, the, the skiers uh, under a Hezbollah attack. And we were prepared for it. And I think uh, my mission was uh, a duel. Once it was against the Hezbollah uh, terror attack. And we, uh, we were actually experienced some of them, mainly in, the, in uh, 2002 when we went to a defensive shield uh, operation and they uh, started to uh, actually warm up the frontiers in the north. And once uh, in the Matsuba uh, in the sector, they actually attacked. They actually attacked. They attacked uh, attack, uh, our positions uh, with mortar, with uh, with uh, uh, with uh, anti-tank uh, missiles. Uh, it was very intensive. And my second one was still to be prepared for the Syrian commando uh, for a full-scale war against uh, Syria. It was a uh, uh, very much a presence uh, threat back at the beginning of uh, 2000. Uh, Control of this uh, position, these peaks, there are two uh, peaks, the so-called Israeli Hermon and the Syrian Hermon. Yes. Is that vital for Israel's defense because you control um, through intelligence whatever happens uh, as far as Damascus, which is... Uh, uh, less than 40 kilometers from there? Yeah, of course. It's, the Hermon is uh, very much important from several. Uh, I think that the intelligence is one, but now when you took, uh, when, when you, uh, we experienced two frontiers, Syria and Lebanon, the Hermon is the, the area that connect between the, uh, those uh, frontiers. And if you control the Hermon, you can... Uh, take your forces from one frontier to another, if others are controlling this area, it's much tougher. So in this case, the Hermon become more important than it was uh, all the years uh, before. One of uh, the uh, areas um, just below Hermon is called Sheba Farms. And uh, there are no farms there. It's, it's <laughs> really uh, uh, just uh, terraces uh, on, on the mountainside. But uh, it uh, was uh, in contention between Syria and Lebanon. Israel had nothing to do with it. Uh, the Syrians claimed that uh, it belongs to them, even though in 1967 it was in Lebanon when Israel occupied it. Yeah. So what's going to happen with the Sheba farms because Hezbollah is using it as a pretext for another conflict? Yeah, Hezbollah used uh, the Sheba farms as part of uh, Lebanon. Actually... If we are going back to the history, it was a Syrian area that was uh, cultivated by uh, by uh, Lebanese uh, agriculture uh, farmers. Uh, farmers. So, uh, but I think that uh, today, you know, it was a very important excuse for them after the withdrawal to to keep the the, uh, the friction with uh, with Israel. I think that uh, now Hezbollah understand that uh, even friction in uh, this area could lead for a, a, a war, and they are much more cautious in this uh, By the way, th there is an interesting uh, parallel. Um, in our earlier talk, uh, we mentioned the Russia-Ukraine uh, conflict, uh, especially with your experience 
as the Israeli defense attaché in Poland. Uh, under the um, uh, Soviet system, it wasn't uh, too important to, uh, where the line uh, was set. So uh, Khrushchev gave the Crimea uh, from Russia to uh, Ukraine. <laughs> and and uh, the uh, French, who controlled Syria and Lebanon, moved uh, the line back and forth. And now when, when they are gone, the Syrians and the Lebanese and the Israelis are left uh, to fight over these small tracts uh, of land. You know, the echoes of history is still here, so we can hear them in our uh, current conflicts. It's now, you, you were the deputy brigade commander of Golani, your, your uh, old um, and always uh, uh, alma mater, your brigade, um, but you did not get the command of the brigade. At any time, uh, some three to six successful lieutenant colonels Battalion commanders, deputy brigade commanders, um, vie for it, compete for it, and only one wins. Yes. So uh, was that frustrating? And not not at all. You know, I, I will tell you, it was a kind of circumstances uh, that uh, part of it it was my responsibility because I wanted to go to uh, learn uh, to study uh, abroad after my my post in the Hermon. and uh, when I came back, I was. Very much uh, happy to take the the Naples uh, brigade, and at that at that time the brigade, the, you know, the the regular brigade, were it, it wasn't really a, a, a challenge because they were split all over, and you just took your car and visit your units. Uh, us as a territorial uh, brigade, we were uh, the one who uh, make the op- operation with the battalions of Golani and the paratroopers. So I think at the time uh, I didn't really felt uh, frustrated and then uh, Dan Halutz came and told me he was the chief of staff you were a brigade commander twice now we are not, you are going to the to the chief of staff and uh, by that time you were 38 39 yeah and perhaps uh, even though in other armies uh, you do see brigade commanders who are 40 and even olders, perhaps it is too old for the Israeli Defense Forces. You know, I'm not very sure today. I think that our, uh, you know, career is uh, very intensive. Uh, this is a cultural issue that we might uh, have to, to take care. But I think that 40 today, uh, it's not very old to be a brigade commander, and it gives you the, the opportunity to... Uh, to uh, to take attention for your uh, studies and uh, and uh, and uh, also for your experience and both are building a, a good commanders and uh, but but under the system of, of mission command and commanding uh, from the front uh, is it still expected of you at age forty you have. Uh, uh, to run in the hills. Grown-up <laughs> children almost uh, going to serve in your very own uh, brigade. Is, is it realistic? Uh, you know, w- when I was a young soldier, uh, you were married at 21 and you have children at 22. Today uh, you are married at uh, 30 and you have children at 32. So equivalent, it's, it's quite the same. And I think that, uh, you know... Times are changing, and uh, this is time, from my own perspective, to make our officer a little more, uh, a little more uh, 
it's not older, but experience Now, before they uh, take the, those uh, posts. Uh, you were appointed uh, the commanding uh, officer, the colonel in charge of the Nablus or Shomron in Hebrew brigade, um, where there are uh, important Palestinian um, places, but also uh, settlements, Israeli settlements, four of which were to be withdrawn from mm-hmm. under uh, Ariel Sharon's disengagement uh, yes. or withdrawal uh, front. Was that uh, uh, a unique and heavy responsibility when you were charged with evicting those settlers under division commander Tal Russo and the uh, commanding general of the, of the uh, front or um, the command, but also chief of staff Khalutz? Yeah, I think it was a very unique experience. It's not easy. It was, you know, when you have to take uh, Israelis, uh, Jewish, uh, you have, in a way, clash with them because uh, there was a, a resistance for this idea, ideological uh, resistance, which I very much uh, respect. But on the other, on the other hand, I, I very much uh, uh, committed to, to my uh, position and to, uh, to, the, to the law, to the Israeli law and to the Israeli uh, uh, government uh, direction, directive. And in a way, there was an uncomfortability uh, uh, mission. Uh, but as a commander, you have to uh, navigate between uh, those... Uh, those uh, powers, forces. At the time, um, Ariel Sharon was the prime minister, but uh, uh, very soon he fell ill and uh, he was replaced by Ehud Olmert, who had planned following the elections to uh, have another such move in the uh, West Bank because most of this disengagement was in Gaza and your part was uh, limited. basically it was limited and symbolic yeah. to show that the West Bank too is not immune. But uh, 16 years later, no such uh, move uh, was attempted. If there is one now, the question is, your fellow officers, many of whom come from settlements, are they going to obey the democratic system the way you did? You are secular, uh, you um, uphold democratic principles, but are you sure all Israeli officers will behave the same way? I hope so. I hope so. Otherwise, uh, we are in a big problem. You know, the idea of, uh, of a military is to totally obey to the government. Otherwise, There is no right of uh, existence of army. And I hope that, uh, I, I believe, and I hope that uh, the chain of command uh, will uh, follow the government uh, direction. Now, General Bazak, uh, you were in charge of doctrine for the uh, general staff um, later that decade, after 2006 or 2007. Or And you are now, um, as a civilian and as a reserve brigadier general, um, involved in the conceptual laboratory of the IDF. What has changed over the years um, in the way you look at the threat, you look at the operational solution, you look at the technology, you look at the 
societal environment. What is now in, in two or three unclassified sentences the doctrine of the IDF? What is the doctrine or what should be the doctrine? Yeah. <laughs> Any way you want it. First of all, we are, uh, we are facing and uh, developing a threat. And it's coming from uh, Iran. Iran has a very, let's say, patient, long-run strategy. And their strategy uh, belongs to the vision of uh, the Shia dominancy over the Middle East. And uh, I must say that they are very coherent and they are going step by step. Uh, and the last 10 years were accelerating their, uh, their appearance all over the... So fighting, fighting Iranian influence, uh, both um, on the nuclear side, which is not your file, and um, by the way, they encroach on Syria, help Hezbollah, They are in Iraq and in Yemen. This is what uh, the uh, military doctrine of the IDF is now um, seeing as top priority? Now, the, the question is how you are fighting it. You know, there is the direct, uh, the direct approach which say, okay, Iran is the enemy, go to Iran. This is what we call the third circle, meaning Air Force, long uh, distance uh, uh, capabilities. Uh, but we are, uh, we, we think on an indirect uh, approach, which which say, okay, go to the, not, not to attack the Iranian, attack the Iranian strategy, and attack the Iranian strategy. You you, you can go to the uh, fundamental, to the center of gravity of this uh, strategy, which is uh, Hezbollah, and now building uh, Hamas and uh, Syria, as uh, the let's say the proxies of, uh, of uh, Iran. And our doctrine is to go to the first circle, meaning go to attack the, the threat uh, around the Israeli borders. And if we will, we will be able to uh, weaken them or even to destroy them, the whole strategy of Iran based on those proxies uh, could be collapsed. So it would be a grave mistake on Hassan Nasrallah's part to participate in some operation uh, which his masters in Tehran would uh, order him to take part in. And uh, your, your ideas, uh, even if you agree with the goal, is to use other means when you say um, Israel should adopt another doctrine, maneuver, Yes, of course. You cannot uh, achieve decisive victory without uh, maneuvering. No doubt, you know, we are the last 20 years, it's kind of laboratory all over. We try and we have enormous advantage of the Israeli Air Force and the intelligence. And still, the results are poor. Now, the, the most uh, worried thing, uh, phenomena, is that uh, Hezbollah and Hamas are getting stronger. Now, they will reach the point when they will be a, a conventional uh, armies. With, uh, even now, when you look at uh, their uh, capabilities, they have uh, uh, most of the NATO, uh, uh, NATO countries uh, uh, don't have uh, the capability that uh, those so, organizations so have. They so they will be more vulnerable, and your suggestion is that Israel cannot... Uh, for itself, no way. Cannot, cannot win only from the air or in a standoff fashion, must send armor, infantry, artillery into Lebanon, 
we uh, ran out of time, so we will never know the answer <laughs> until there is such a conflict. Hopefully not. Brigadier General Yuval Bazak, thank you very much for two very interesting conversations. You're welcome. And we will be back with another edition of Watchmen Talk. This is Watchmen Talk in Jerusalem. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.